I'm going to do a two-part series tonight and tomorrow morning. And I've not titled it yet, so we'll title it. We'll title it later, but we'll, 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 we'll get a little rip at it today. And I'm going to speak. I'm going to come back and prophesy. Lord, I thank you for this church. And I'm going to title tonight's message, On the Edge of Destiny. And this scripture so just began to burn in my heart um, for this church that I'm going to do part two tomorrow. And I think I know what part two is, but I won't announce it in case I don't. Now, Luke 5, 1. You say, you don't plan like our Pastor Morgan, do you? I said, well, probably not. Okay, Luke 5, 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. It was early in the ministry of Jesus, and the crowds were beginning to burgeon. They were beginning to grow. And he saw, at the water's edge, two boats left there by fishermen. Now, we're going we're gonna to find out these two boats were Peter, his brother Andrew, James, and John. And they had no idea that day that their whole life was going to change. And the, the words that just gripped my heart was on the edge. This church is on the edge of pressing in to the greatest moments of its whole existence. Your growth to services, it's all great. But Jesus is getting ready to bring you to a whole nother level. And this whole thing of these boats, little did they know that Jesus was going to get inside of one of those boats. And they were going to make history at multiple levels. And if this is true for the church, it's true for many of you. Many of you in the church right now, in your business life, in your marriage life, you're on the edge of something. Now, it's the funny about being on the edge of something. You have to forget, don't forget, Jesus, I do more than you can ask or imagine. So there's a realm beyond our imagination that the Lord has for us. And many of you, like Peter and Andrew and James and John, the Lord is getting ready to get into the boat of your career, your life, your marriage, your church, and launch you into places you've never gone. And the Lord says in the, Isaiah, I believe it is, that before something happens, he announces it. Now, I want to speak this to you. Why? Because I want you to be able to prepare for what's coming so you will not miss it when it comes. Now, watch what happens here. Jesus begins to speak, goes on to say, they're watching them. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Now, he didn't even ask Peter if he could get in his boat. You have to understand, you've heard these rumors that the Holy Spirit has good manners. I don't know which one you're talking about. Because the Holy Spirit will definitely invade your life. How many of you know that? And God's not going to always look, I'd like to change you. I'm afraid that he's not going to like ask your permission. In fact, if he can't change you, things will get so miserable you'll beg to change. So Peter's kind of washing his nets and he looks up and Jesus is just in his boat. Just in his boat. Now he's thinking like I didn't like invite him in my boat. Like he's just like in my boat. Now he's kind of entrepreneurial. He's thinking, well, then it may be a bad idea. He's fairly successful. You know, I can say, you know, you know, tour in the boat where Jesus did float. He's kind of thinking this ain't a bad idea. But I'll tell you, it's not enough to have Jesus in your life. If you're going to go where he wants you to go, it's not just enough. Well, he's in my life. I kind of like him. I'm in church. 
you got to go to the next level, and here is what it is. Now watch me. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and I guarantee Jesus knew what boat he was in, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. It's not enough for Jesus, listen to me now, just to be in your life. I'm really happy he's in your heart, and that's a wonderful thing. But if he's just a passenger, not the captain, you're never going to get the benefit that he has for you. I mean, Jesus is a passenger in my life, and many people ask Jesus into their heart and never, ever deal with the question of who's the boss, then blame God when their life doesn't change. I invited you in my heart. I invited you in my marriage. It's only getting worse. This is why I'm a passenger. You've never really given me the steering wheel. Now, now the Holy Spirit, he's interesting. So Jesus, he goes, he asks him. Now, what you have to understand is Jesus is so wise, he handles you very delicately. You're going to find how quick it changes here. He gets in his boat and Peter's kind of stunned. And Jesus looks at him and smiles. And what's he say? He got in the boat and he asked him, he said, would you mind like kind of taking me out? Peter's saying, I, don't I mean, you're kind of a carpenter, but you got kind of a teaching deals good and kind of drawing a crowd. Okay. And it seems like the Lord just kind of wanted, kind of benign when he first comes into our life. He's kind of blessing us here and there and a few habits are passing off. And oh, I just love this Jesus. You know, he's, he's so warm and he's so great. Let me tell you, he's just warming up. Jesus, as C.S. Lewis says, Aslan's not a tame lion. He will take over your boat. And if he doesn't, you'll stay on the shore and never go into your destiny. The great tragedy of many churches is when I walk in, I see lots of boats on the shore, but they never would let Jesus lead them to where they were called to go. They never would respond to that next level in their marriage, which is, you're the commander no matter how I feel. This is your boat. My business is your boat. My marriage is your boat. My life is your boat. My education's your boat. My college education, my team, my practice. Peter, um, let's pull out a little bit. And so Peter's like, well, that ain't too bad, you know. So he, he jumps in with his brother, and they row out a bit, and He's thinking, this is kind of great. My boat may be famous, thousands of people around here, kind of healing thing going on. Heck, I might, I might just make me people pay me to come sit where he taught. You know, he's kind of thinking, it ain't a bad idea. You know, this is better than I thought it would be. Oh, oh, Lord, have mercy. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, get this, all the asking is now over. They've hardly gotten to know each other. He wasn't even hardly invited into the boat. He says, put out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. There's going to come a time in your life where Jesus is going to start commanding you. And to make it worse, as you're going to find with Peter, it's just not going to make sense. It's not going to make natural sense. Like, why did he do this to me? It's kind of like Peter at the Last Supper. Jesus says, Peter, let me wash your feet. Peter, and Peter says, you can't wash my feet. He said, Peter, listen to me. You're not going to understand right now why I'm asking this of you. You will later if you let me do it. So many of us have this thing, I'll do whatever I understand. You won't do much. 
if you always understand it, doesn't take faith. It just, you, and so what happens is you get in all this frustration with God, like, I, didn't under, I don't understand this. Well, sometimes you won't understand for a while you used to obey. Get out, Peter, and let your nets down again. And so Peter, now watch this. What happens here? Simon answered, Master. Now it's interesting. Something's going on here in Peter. He's seen enough miracles that day and heard enough teaching where he realizes something, this, something's different about this guy. He goes, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Now, how many of you know Peter wasn't the humblest fellow in the Bible? Just be honest. How many of you are glad he's there? It makes you feel better about yourself. I mean, who else but Peter was rebuked by every member of the Trinity? Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. God said, shut up and listen to my son. The Holy Spirit said, don't call unclean what I said clean, boy. I mean, I mean, he had a little problem with humility. Let's just be honest. So Jesus in his boat and Peter's thinking, Many of you think that's with your pastor. He's thinking, okay, you're kind of a Bible teacher. That's good. What do you know about fishing? It's me, baby. It's Pete. I mean, humbly in my estimation, I'm probably the greatest fisherman in the history. That's my humble estimation in the history of the Sea of Galilee. He's thinking, like, I fished all night, and I don't want to be a smart mouth, Lord, but if I can't catch them, they're just not there. I mean, if I can't make this happen, it surely can't be. But, but, hmm, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Now, here's the problem, what you're going to find out. He went through the motions, but didn't really believe anything was going to happen. He, he said, well, okay, I'll do it. And like, he's Lord. I'll kind of do this in my marriage, do this in my business. But it was half-hearted. And the problem was, he was getting ready to lose what up until that time was the greatest moment in his life. He's going to lose it. He went through the motions. But he didn't really realize what happens when Jesus gets in your boat. He had no conception of what happens when Jesus becomes the master of your career the master of your marriage, the master of your church. Now watch this. It's mind-boggling. But because you say, so I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, he and his brother, Andrew, who'd been influenced by John the Baptist and really kind of brought Peter, introduced Peter to Jesus, they go, and how many of you know they'd fished all night and now it's kind of the afternoon? They're tired. Just let's be honest. They had no sleep. Jesus always asks of you what you don't understand when you're in a point of weakness and frustration anyway. Why does he typically ask of you hard things when you're at the low ebb in your life? How many of you ever find that to be true? Because if you're the strong ebb, you probably wouldn't do it anyway. Kind of desperate, too tired to fight him, worn down. So, you know, Andrew looks at Peter. He goes, 
I mean, he's, he's got a teaching deal on him, healing. Let's just check the nets out. Who knows? Now, they've been washing the nets. Earlier, we know. Kind of looking, seeing if they were torn. But the problem is, basically, if you judge what God is getting ready to do in your life by what you've seen in the past, there will be a breakdown. Watch it. They cast the nets out. They cast them out. And when they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. Now, this, he'd never seen this. They began to pull it in. And he realized, this is like unprecedented. We're going to be rich. There's never been a catch like this. I knew he was right all along. No, he didn't. You're going to find out why. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full. The boats were singing sinking the this catch was so massive it ripped up their nets and was sinking their boat now how many of you know you get the fact that peter was a little insecure and competitive i mean the last thing he said last conversation with jesus was what about john like you know what's going to happen to him i mean i'm going to maybe get what about him i mean how many of you reading the Bible in a little competition between Peter and John? How many of you know for Peter to signal John for help, things were getting real desperate? I mean, my Lord, when desperation comes in your life, competition goes out the window. Why Andrew said, you idiot, call John over for help. Not John, call him, we're going to sink. So he calls, oh, brother John, come on over here. He calls John over, you know, and you get in crisis. You'll love people and work with people you never would without it. He gets John over, he gets um, James over, and their boat begins to sink too. And all of a sudden, Peter breaks down. He has a revelation. Now watch this. He has a revelation. When Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. They're to shore now. And they've lost a ton of the catch. The nets have broken. Both boats were starting to sink. And who knows, scores of fish were getting away. Falls those knees, here's what he says. Go away from me. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. Now what is Peter saying here? I blew it. I blew it. Because I didn't really listen to you, because I really didn't listen to your word, because I really didn't listen, and I kind of just went through the motions. Like, how many of you know, if he would have realized who Jesus really was, he'd have got, he'd have got another net, he'd have had four or five boats, he'd have called in a fleet, and he falls in and says, I'm unworthy. I blew it. Even though it was a great catch, it, we're all human, we're thinking, we're thankful for what we got, but we realize what we could have gotten if we listened. Get away from me. I didn't listen. I, like, I blew it. I, I wasn't thinking. He's broken. Like, I lost this moment. I lost my chance. 
How many of you like me can look back and remember a moment like that? When the Lord was quickening something to you and you really didn't fully respond and it wasn't what it could have been. Now here's what's so interesting about Jesus. When we humble ourselves, watch how he responds to Peter. Watch what he does. Then I'm going to apply this to you. He responds to Peter and he says this. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. What was Peter afraid of? He was afraid he had lost his only chance. He was afraid Jesus would never give him that moment again. There's some of you so afraid because you blew a moment in your life, you wonder if you'll ever get it back. You're afraid that you missed that moment. You are afraid that because you made a bad decision last time, you'll make it again. And fear will paralyze you. Jesus, listen, Peter. Don't be afraid. This was just fish. From now on, Peter, it's about people. It's about people. Mistakes to many of us in this room are the end. To God, they're always the beginning. So we've, because it's the mistakes when we don't listen. It's the mistakes when we feel like I missed my guidance or I blew that moment or what could have happened if I'd have done it? Where God, as he weaves the tapestry of guidance in our life, knows by the Spirit. That mistake was going to so burn something into Peter that God would be able to use him to catch multitudes of humans. Now, what am I saying? Here's what I'm saying. This church is getting ready for even a greater harvest. So when Morgan and John and this great team is up in front of you talking, listen to them. Things God asks of us to prepare, to serve, to do. Why? Because Jesus is sending this boat out into the deep. It's going to go deeper in faith, deeper into the city, deeper into outreach, deeper. And here's what I've learned. I've been a Christian a long time. I've been a Christian 52 years. I've, seen, I've been all over the world. And typically when God's doing something in a church, individuals are, at the micro level, it's happening to individuals as well. They're going deeper in their business, deeper in their marriage, deeper in their education. And I, I felt the Holy Spirit just so impressed me. You're on the edge, and he's taking you deeper. Now here's the problem. He was taking Peter back where he had just worked all night, and sometimes... We're reluctant to do again what we've been doing, but it's altogether different when Jesus is in the boat. I tried that before, Pastor Jim. I tried it in my marriage. I tried it. No matter what you've tried, when Jesus is in the boat, everything changes. This church is coming into another time of immense harvest. Into another time. Watch and see. Watch what he does. Now, we'll do part two tomorrow morning, but let me just build a little bit more here. The Sea of Galilee is interesting in the Bible. Something about the Sea of Galilee and fishing boats. Something always dramatic happened when Jesus did that.
Whenever Jesus gets in the boat, there are two things, harvest and hell. It's <laughs> just reality. <laughs> that's just, that's, that's kind of the bad news. It's, that's the fine print. I'm getting in your boat. You're going to have a great harvest and big storms and all hell is going to break loose. Okay. Okay. We know that. So I also know then as, watch this for a moment, as Jesus is getting ready to bring a greater harvest in this church, hell is breaking loose in some of your lives right now. It just is. Now, let me talk to you about why that happens. And I, I, so I want to save time to process. We're not going to turn there, but let me just have a tangent a moment and bring it back around. If we were looking in Matthew 8 and 9, we'd find another boat story. They've been in a you know, big revival in Peter's house, and mother-in-law saved, and everyone saved. And Jesus says, who but Jesus draw in a crowd? Let's go to the other side, which is the Decapolis, 10 Romanized cities. And they get in a boat watch me, on the way to the Decapolis. Now, this is the second of the boat stories in the New Testament. First one, Peter and the harvest. The account of this story is in Luke 8. You can look at it yourself. They get in there, and a massive storm comes up. Now, listen to me. Why weren't they expecting that? Because up until that moment, whenever Jesus got in the boat, it was always wonderful. It was like there was a harvest, there was a blessing, and all of a sudden, they're on the way to the Decapolis, leaving harvest, not realizing that one day there'd be a massive <clears throat> healing revival in the Decapolis, in another journey. They're heading, and a storm so big comes up that they're scared. Now, some of these guys, at least four of them, are lifetime fishermen. So if they tell Jesus, we're going to die, it's a serious storm. It's massive waves. And like God's in the habit of doing at the most inopportune moments, he seems to be sleeping. They're screaming, bailing, yelling, and they look over Jesus asleep. Ever feel like, I'm going to be honest, Jesus is asleep in your life. You need to raise your hand up. Why is it that we want to reduce God to worrying with us? We'd like God to get a little frantic. We feel better if he'd just worry too. I'm worried, God, and I'm worried up here too. It's bad. I mean, like, hey, wake up and worry with me. He, I'm sorry, he's not. So if he's asleep in your life, you probably don't have a very big problem. Okay. So why does he seem to be sleeping? This is so important. Because he's got to bring the things out of your heart and into the open that'll keep you from having the harvest he wants. So as much as the devil thinks he's so powerful and he attacks your life, in reality, the storm is used by God, watch me, to do two things. To reveal what's in your heart, because if that doesn't come out, even when the external goes calm, the internal stays in storm. Many of you find God's doing kind of deeper surgery in you right now. Things are stirring up in your heart. Well, why is that? Because he's getting you ready for the greatest moments of your life. What came out of their heart? Don't you care about us? We're going to die! unbelief, wrong image of God. Now, I love this part of the story so much. So, Jesus, I don't know if he's really sleeping or not. Who knows? Probably napping, laughing. He stands up. He looks around. The water's up to here. They're sinking. He goes, you got to be kidding me. They go, what? You woke me up for this? Like, What? I mean, I was tired. They're, they're thinking, oh, God, this guy is crazy. We're, we're sinking. He goes, storm, stop. They go, oh, 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 
man alive, who is this guy? Who is this guy? The storm stopped. Think about that. The winds, boom. Now, we know when you study the original text, the same words used to rebuke a demon, he spoke to that storm, probably the demonic powers around the Decapolis were attacking him. Now, what is this all about? Jesus allows you to come into a storm to demonstrate his power to you because once you've seen a storm stopped, that old demonized man on the other side is nothing. He's putting things in perspective for you. Now, let's, let's tie this together. Jesus is in your boat, but it's just not enough. Here's one of the great tragedies I find with Christians. They blame God for the turmoil in their life as if he was the captain, when in reality he's only a passenger. So if you give God no control in your life, how can you blame him? Why'd you do this? I was only along for the ride, sorry. But you're with me, yeah, but I was with you, but I sure wasn't much consulted. So when we say, okay, you're the master of my career, master of my marriage, master of my soul, master of my life, then he takes us into things beyond our comprehension. Like I tried that before, it didn't really work, doesn't make sense, what are you doing? And then, boom, it works, and we've made some mistake. He's got all this. And then a storm comes. This church is launching out. You're launching out. You're launching out into amazing harvest. Not just at the macro level as a people, but the micro level as individuals and families and friendships and businesses. So that means two things. It means tremendous harvest is coming. And it will. And there will be some hell with it. But I finally have realized that Satan, for all his power, can at times become just another tool to shape us into God's image. But many of us practically were like dualists. Some of us think we're in the Lord of the Rings, you know, and God's just barely making it, you know, barely could he just fight the eye of Mordor. That ain't the way it is. And the devil's a, an angel that went into rebellion. And in the Bible, the, God didn't even hardly worry. He, says, he just says, Michael, chuck him. I mean, God's got this. He's got this. He's got this. Now, tomorrow morning, we'll do part two. You say tonight, Pastor Jim, man alive, you're describing me. Either the Lord's calling me to go deeper or I've got a lot of warfare. Pray for me. Put your hand up right now. I'm going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this great church. I thank you, Father, for this great church. I thank you how you're leading them. I thank you how you're guiding them. I thank you, Lord, that their most exciting years are ahead of them. And, Lord, it's not that we're not grateful for everything you've done and the growth and the blessing and the salvations. We are. But, Lord, we're in the edge getting ready to sail deeper. When you call us to do things we've done before, help us be willing. Lord, help us not to go through the motions. Father, Lord, don't let us be paralyzed by mistakes. Father, Peter could have lived in fear, but Jesus, don't be afraid. More opportunities are coming. Lord, those of us in storms, I thank you. You're quelling storms, you're moving on us, and you're helping us, Lord. Amen.